This is Pastor Clint Ribble, and you're listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. For more information, please visit gracepoint.net. Well, Carol read the text earlier, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. And I have something very important I'd like to say to you this morning. I hope I can say it um, as well as it deserves to be said. The scriptural record that Carol read, one of our elders, at the beginning of service, the record she read is very clear. You don't need to miss this first line. The two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, went to the tomb of Jesus on the first Easter morning, and they were not expecting to meet a resurrected Christ. They went to the tomb, and they were not going to celebrate a resurrected Lord. There actually is no indication that they were even slightly hopeful for such a miracle. The record of Scripture is definitively clear, and it's important. There are a lot of meta-messages that actually are the mega-message of Scripture beyond the words, and I hope you catch this one. Scriptural record is definitively clear. They went to tend to his dead body. And lest you hear that pejoratively, hear it again. They went to tend to his dead body. They went because they loved him. There is the possibility to not believe all of the right things about Jesus and yet love him. These women did not believe in the moment all of the right things about Jesus. But they loved him. They were good people. They went to the tomb because they were decent people. Please hear that. They went to the tomb because they were respectful people. They went to the tomb because they loved him. They went to the tomb because they needed, per their own hearts, to honor him. They went, as we have focused in our Lenten season on T.S. Eliot's line, in my end is my beginning. We've learned to tend to the endings and closings of life well. Jesus taught us that. Well, it can be said of these two Marys, they went because they they were doing a very important ending well. The same event the Gospels of Mark and Luke speak to, and the Gospels of Mark and Luke explain more fully. They say that the reason they went, whereas Matthew says they went to see the tomb, very simple. Mark and Luke said they went to anoint Jesus' dead body with burial spices. I just want to point out, the first two people to meet the risen Lord the two people that Jesus decided to show himself to went to anoint his dead body with burial spices. It's true, he had been their Messiah, he had been their Christ, their future king. Palm Sunday was their Sunday. They had waved palm branches too. This was the political horse that would restore Israel. But now all of that was decisively gone and accordingly, please hear me, had nothing to do with why they were at the tomb that morning. You see, death had devastatingly robbed them of all of the messianic hope they had laid on Jesus. 
The crucifixion had robbed them of everything that made them believe that he was indeed the Christ. As their brothers would later say, we thought this was he who would redeem Israel, which is a nice way of saying we were wrong about him. But with all of that gone, everything was not gone. He remained their rabbi. Maybe not their Lord, but at least their rabbi. And if not their rabbi, their teacher, please hear me. Perhaps most importantly, he remained their dearest of friends. He remained someone in their life who deserved their devotion. You see, one way of honoring the life, this is what Mark and Luke were alluding to, one way of honoring the life of someone lost in New Testament times, we have our way now of treating those that we've loved. We have our times, our seasons, we have our methods, our funerary methods. But one of the ways of honoring the life of someone lost in New Testament times was to do your best to curtail the indignity of death's decaying process. And you did that, as macabre as this sounds, you did that by going laboriously to the tomb over and over and over until literally hundreds of pounds of spices, hundreds of pounds of what we would call potpourri were piled on the body until you could no longer see the body. This was a mother's way of saying, my child's life deserves more than the indignity of decay. This was the way two women decided to say our 30-year-old friend who was murdered unceremoniously, his life did not stink and his death does not deserve to either. The bringing of spices and perfume was a form of lament. And as my friend Nicholas Walterstorff says, <clears throat> it is a form of lament and every lament is love song. For our tears our existential testimony to the worth of that which has been lost. It's for that reason and that reason alone that the women came to the tomb of Jesus. John's gospel goes so far to make it clear that John said when they found the tomb irreducibly vacant, they didn't turn to each other immediately and say, we forgot, didn't he say that he was going to rise again on the third day? That's not the story at all. Multiple times, even in the Gospels, he had told his disciples, I will rise again on the third day. You would think that they would recall that to mind. John's Gospel said when they saw the empty tomb, these two women who loved him so deeply that they were there, they turned to one another and said, someone has stolen our Lord's body. Enemies have come and they've deceptively hidden him from us. Matthew's gospel from which we read this morning goes to great length to portray the followers, these followers of Jesus as clueless. I'm talking about the ladies who first saw him, the first two apostles. There's a reason there were only women on the choir or in the choir for the first song. There's a reason one of our elders, Carol Anglin, a woman, read the text because on that day, the first two apostles were women. Apostles are those who are sent from God to proclaim the message. And it wasn't the disciples, not Peter, James, or John. It was women. So appropriate that lady sang our first song today. And yet Matthew's gospel said, these two first apostles, small a if you like, 
but they're big A to me. These two first apostles were clueless. Can I go so far as to say they were faithless? In terms of the resurrection, they were faithless. Matthew spends the last four verses of the previous chapter, the four verses that butt up right against the ten verses Carol read. Those four verses say that the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, hey, we remember how when he was alive, he said he would be resurrected on the third day. Can we put guards at his tomb? We don't believe in the resurrection, but we do believe his disciples very well may come and try to steal his body. And if they steal his body, everybody will believe he's resurrected. And the final deception will be worse than the first deception. And Pilate said, do what you need to do. And they put a guard at the tomb. And yet with all of that, here the Marys stand, lost at the tomb. Burial elements in hand, disoriented by, deeply distraught over not only the death of Jesus, but now the absence of his body. And yet it's here. Here. Irony of ironies, unless you understand the heart of God, and then it is no irony. Smack dab in the middle of this display of loyal sadness. Let me say it this this way. Smack dab in the middle of this love-filled, clueless faithlessness. The story begins to turn. Right there against the backdrop of human frailty, the truly good news begins to dawn. For it was to those bewildered, broken-hearted, and unbelieving disciples, the two Marys, that an angel appeared, and then miracle of miracles, the risen Christ decided to show himself first to. There were Pharisees who remembered his word and could regurgitate it better, but this was not a memory verse exercise. There were disciples that we would have perhaps desired in our patriarchy as a church to have wanted to be at the front. But to those bewildered, broken-hearted, and unbelieving disciples, oh, they believed something. Scripture said they believed he was dead. And it's to those ladies that miracle of miracles, the Christ did show himself first. And I hope the picture is coming into focus now. You see, if the Marys would have been on top of their game as Christians... Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, it doesn't matter. I think we're all agreed on this. We put faith at the top of the heap in terms of virtues. And let me say, faith is an incredibly important virtue. One of the three cardinals, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, but I just want to do an interlude here. Faith is not the only virtue that counts with God. We'll get there. These women... If they would have been on top of their spiritual game that morning, they would have been racing to the tomb with reinvigorated palm branches, and they would have said to one another, remember the sign of Jonas? Remember what he said? We're going to find an empty tomb, and we're going to look for a risen Lord. And yet, here they are, the Bible says, with spices and ointment, fragrantly, loudly, lovingly testifying to their belief that Jesus was still dead. There's no mistaking the fact that as especially modern Christians define it, they were not on top of their spiritual game that morning. They were not on top of their spiritual game that morning, as, at least as we are prone to assess. And we do assess 
and I will say this, we assess other people's journeys with God way too much. Though they were not, by our definition, on top of their game, they went dutifully with heavy hearts, simply and lovingly to provide a less than pleasant service for a deceased friend. And Jesus looked at that act of love and he responded by revealing himself first as the risen Christ to those two. And it reminds me of the heart of the Lord depicted in so many other stories. There was a fellow who came to the disciples of Jesus and his little boy was terribly sick and he asked them to heal his son and the disciples could not do it. When Jesus finally came, the Bible says that Jesus upbraided. He got on to the disciples for their lack of faith. And he immediately turned to the man and said, what do you need? Big tears ran down his face because that's what happens to you when your kids are dying, sick, and hurting. And the man said, I need you to help my boy. And Jesus looked at him and said, do you believe? The fella stumped his toe and said, I do and I don't. Partly. I believe Help thou my unbelief. Jesus looked at him and said, I can work with that. In the absence of perfect faith, I can work with honest faith. And maybe it wasn't faith that Jesus was responding to at all. Maybe Jesus was responding to another virtue, a virtue called love that he saw exhibited in the heart of a father for his son. If you were the first responder... Would you need someone to believe grand things about you? Or would you simply look at the desperate need in front of you and respond? To what did Jesus respond that day? Broken, imperfect faith. And in this story from Easter, Jesus teaches us a crucial lesson about the heart of God. And I want you to hear this. And that lesson can be stated something like this. Faith is a virtue, but it's not the only one. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, and now abide faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is faith. And now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is... Paul went on to say, or began the chapter by saying, you might have faith to move mountains perfect faith even. But if you have not love, it profits you about a third. No. If you have faith without love, it profits you. But the story of the two Marys tells me if you have love without faith, it might just profit you a risen Lord. Because God is not faith. John said God is love. And in this story from Easter, Jesus teaches us a crucial lesson about the values of God. It can be stated something like this. If you, for whatever reason or reasons, and there are many reasons, if you find yourself incapable of full faith, or the faith as the people around you you think define it, 
If you, for whatever reason or reasons, find yourself currently incapable of ideal religious spiritual sentiments, be faithful with what you have and God will graciously honor that partial gift as though it were whole and he will meet you there. In the case of the Marys, their ideal spiritual offering, at least through the lens of the evangelical, Protestant, and even Catholic church, their ideal spiritual offering would have obviously been to have come with an excited, expectant faith that they would meet their risen Lord, but they did not bring that offering this day. On more than one occasion, Jesus had given them reason to believe that he would raise from the dead, and yet that morning, they came looking for a dead savior. No, a dead friend. And that morning, Jesus appeared to them, not do the perfection of their faith, but simply because, as the angel said, you are looking for Christ who was crucified. The Bible says the angels looked, and there were two men who were guarding the tomb, and they were shaking with fear. And the Bible says, while they shook with fear, the angel looked at the women and said, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Why didn't the angel say it to them? The angel explained, you don't have to be afraid because you're looking for the Lord. And all of the Pharisees say, yeah, they're looking for the Lord, but they were looking for a dead Lord. And the angel said, God grades on a curve. And the most important thing to him is not a doctrinal statement or a creed. He looked at them and said, you're looking for, you're looking for Jesus albeit dead, but that counts with God. I want the choir to come, and I want our brothers and sisters to prepare for the Lord's Supper, and I want to read a letter to you that I've written specifically to some folks in this room today. Today's a big day. Attendance to membership ratios are at their peak on this celebrated day. Everybody, the reason the crowd is so large today, I'm looking out, is because we have a lot of guests, families, who are also Christians, and I'm looking, we have a lot of regulars here today. Everybody got their schedule today together, and we don't miss this day, do we? Y'all are aware, I'm looking at really good saints here, really good people, y'all do know you miss a lot of church, right? <laughs> you do know that, right? You're, you know that I'm aware of that. I get it. I guarantee you, Nance would miss a whole lot more if we weren't on payroll. So I, I understand. We got ball games and families to tend to also. But here's what I want to say to you. There is another reason this is a large crowd today. There is another category of attenders here today. And it is a category, listen, it is a category that is often demeaned, even chastised. Christers, we call you. Pejoratively, we've made up a name for you. We've joked behind your back, though we have been you at times, and may be you yet. We say the word Christer 
and savvy Christians know, Robbie, that we're talking about Christmas and Easter, and you run those two together, and you have a new word, Christmas, Easter, Christer. You guys are people who come to church for reasons that your Aunt Sally, the Sunday school teacher, deems as less than ideal. If you fall into that category today, I would like to extend an olive branch to you, even an apology, a mea culpa. I want to say to you, no one knows your reasons for not regularly coming. No one knows except you and God, and maybe only God. Perhaps it's because you don't believe in organized religion. God knows we church folk can't shrug that one off as ridiculously devoid of merit. We have our own misgivings too. For whatever reasons, we keep persisting through them and gathering together with all of the frailties that we are very aware of. Perhaps it's because you don't even believe in God these days, if ever you did. Maybe it's Jesus. It's a literal resurrection, a figurative resurrection whatever of the resurrection that you just can't wrap your mind around. These may be the primary reasons that come to my mind, but I'm quite sure that there are many more. But alas, I'm not here to do an exhaustive study of that list. I'm here to tell you that I'm sorry if you have ever caught wind of the fact that your biannual efforts at church attendance have landed you as the foil of our self-righteousness and the butt of our misguided jokes. For when I think about it, I can think actually of a lot of good reasons less than the one I count best for being here today. If you are here today not to see the risen Christ, if you're here today, not to see the risen Christ, but because you wanted to make a parent's or a spouse's or a child's day more complete, I want you to know that counts with me. And even more, that counts with God. I'm not letting go of my faith. I can't let go of my faith, and I can't join you in the spiritual desert that you now find yourself. And I don't think you would want me to do that. I can't impose my faith on you in a risen Lord, though admittedly I might want to. What I can do today is what I believe God does, and that is honor you for being here. And while I'm sure there are bad reasons for going to church, I doubt those are yours. I know some of you. You're really good folk. I think it would be a fair bet that most of you who aren't here to celebrate a risen Christ are actually here to celebrate a relationship. Even one you hold by memory. As this is a day that reminds you of olden times and loved ones lost, and perhaps one of those loved ones is even named Jesus. Why and when you lost him, I don't know. You are here, though, by memory, by longing, wistful you are. You have found what many of us have found, that Jesus is quite easy to lose, but he is incredibly hard to let go of. 
it is a good thing that you're here with us today and I want to say on behalf of the church thank you for pressing past any condescension that you might have felt from Christians and getting here in spite of it and as today as today I proclaim the gospel of Christ's victory over death and as I join unashamedly unapologetically with believers here as well as all times and places and celebrating with unspeakable joy our glorious hope I am compelled to proclaim the good news to you as well and that good news is the truth oh faithless one that good news is the truth that God does not overlook love wherever it happens that God recognizes human decency and goodness regardless of religious affiliation and doctrinal correctness so based upon the story of the Marys my heart is full to tell you don't be surprised you faithful Christer if somewhere along the road you happen to meet him because he so appreciated you coming today for your little boys coming today for that wife who's asked you so many times that mother whose dinner would not have been complete without you and until you actually meet him dear Christer keep taking care of those you love keep living honorably treating others with kindness and respect who knows when you finally meet him one day because I believe you will who knows you may realize you've known him all along at the least you will realize he has always known you and may I remind those who celebrate the risen Lord with me today if you have faith to move mountains and believe in resurrected saviors but have not love it profits nothing and for those of you who are struggling deeply with your faith to wrap your mind all around this keep loving for if you have love even if it is without faith it may not do much for you in a church but it may get you a long way to meeting a very risen Lord to receive ushers if you guys will come the choir is going to sing over us and I want you to hold these elements as they come I want those of you who are full of faith to hold the elements those of you who thought I can't ever take communion at a church because I don't believe all of that if you are here out of love today take the elements the Lord knows you he would invite you to his table come to the supper table with Jesus now receive the elements hold them we'll take together
Let's stand. And let's read our common faith with all saints, all times, all places. And for those that can't make 100%, remember, he grades on a curve. Let's read now in grace. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And to all of you curve setters who just made a hundred, cheers. To all of you who wonder where you stand, he is easy to lose, but he's hard to let go of. And even more, he will not let go of you. Good cheer to you. Grace to you. Thank you. And if we don't see you again till Christmas, look for him here and there, now and then. You never know, sweet Mary, when he just might show. And into our sad eyes, when there was no hope, he smiled. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take, he said, and remember me. And he lifted the cup and he said, this is my body, my blood. He said, this is the blood that I have shed for you, the life that I've given for you. And even there, he did not demand that they look for a resurrected Lord. He meets us where we are and he simply said as he looked at the cup, don't forget me, remember me. And I know you came to make mama happy today, but I believe you also came because you can't forget him. And that's all he said that you have to be able to do to take this cup. So we remember him now together. And we lift our hearts to you, faith-filled and faithless. We lift our souls to you, rejoicing in a resurrection, looking forward to a full kingdom. And we lift hearts to you that question and struggle and doubt. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us all where we are. Thank you, resurrected Christ, for the grace that you pour into us. Thank you for this Easter. Thank you for faith, hope, and love. And thank you for reminding us all that the greatest of these is love. We pray these things in Christ's name. And God's people said,